Hello, welcome to Real History, the show where we decide whether or not a film or game or book has sufficient history in it to for it to be considered a good example of what actually happened at the time, or whether it is so heavily fictionalised that it's more like a, a, a reel of old film, completely fake and falls apart in your hands. Uh, <laughs> like the night before Christmas. Yes. Like the night before. Um, and thank you very much to the writer of the uh, uh, TV movie, the Netflix TV movie, The Night Before Christmas, for uh, liking our tweet about it. Um, we hope you pre- we hope you listened and appreciated it. We appreciate it if you didn't. You're probably very busy. Um, but, but that yes. was very exciting. It was very exciting for us, wasn't it? Um, and I did have a discuss with a friend of mine who's a Vanessa Hudgens fan who was like, I, he's like, yeah, I can't bring myself to watch it even though she's in it. I was like, no, 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 give it a go. You know, she's actually really good at it. You know, it's fun. It's <laughs> it, fine. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> and it was my choice. That's my fault. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today, uh, I am your co-host and co-producer, Hugh David. You are... I'm Jenna Pateman, also and co-host and co-producer. So. Absolutely, and also writer for the Real History column on the Bunkerzilla website. Yes. If you're listening um, to us on Bunkerzilla, thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're downloading it from Bunkerzilla's Mixcloud, thank you again. And um, if you're downloading it from 48 Publishing's Soundcloud page, thank you very much from all of us. Yes. Thank you for just listening. Indeed. So today, what are we going to talk about today, Jenna? Westerns. Westerns. Um, Yes, yeah. cowboys, Indians-ish. Yes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say that to the Indian. In the <laughs> my, when my dad for, uh, worked for um, the World Council of Churches and he had to go over to uh, North America for various uh, work-related things, one of the things he did was uh, fund some projects with um, various... Uh, nations, as they call themselves, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, for those who don't know what that means, that's what people who are described by others as Native Americans would describe themselves as. They are a group of. They are the nations, so the collected tribes, the collected First nations. Nations, they yes. also refer to themselves as. Yes, and uh, my dad did some work with them, specifically with um, the North. I can't get my geography right. Northwestern nations and um at one point he was there and he was having a conversation with people and they were making the i can't remember the exact details but my dad was laughing about the fact that they were making the point that there was only one indian in the room and they pointed at him (laughs) 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 which i thought was brilliant you know um but uh yeah so so we're we're talking about this because it feels like every few years there's a mini revival or there's mm. a Western that comes out, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Westerns, they're still a thing. And, and, and from my point of view, they've never gone away. Yeah. But also, we're in a period of time where a lot of people are using the Western to, in the way that it's always been, which is, it's a, it's, it, it is an American... It's a very. It's a genre that relates very specifically to certain things. It, it can be used like Shakespeare in Britain, where it you every time you stage one, it says as much about the time you're making it in, as yeah. it does the period you're ostensibly talking about. Mm. Um, uh, so there's that side of it. There's the 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 way it reflects the world around it. Pardon me. But there's also the the other part of it. I think is. Um, for people who discuss the Western a lot, there's not a lot of discussion about the Western in video games. And considering mm. how many video, how much, how many people play video games, and the amount of the volume of games which sell on a AAA title, 
I actually think it's really important to recognise that a lot of people's ideas, especially young people's ideas of what may or may not have happened in that period of history in the United States, is being formed by Rockstar Games. Yes. And um, you've been experiencing it recently. Yes. Um, for Christmas, my husband very kindly brought me Red Dead Redemption 2. Excellent. Which is a game I've been wanting to play for a while, but waiting for it to go on sale and stuff, and also waiting for a time period where I didn't have assignments to do, because mm-hmm. I knew it's a collectathon partly, and open world, and you can go explore, and those games are kind of my catnip, so mm-hmm. they they kind of suck me in, and I, dread, I haven't actually checked to see how many hours I've played, mm-hmm. But I probably could have written a dissertation in the time. So. Probably, but yeah, but but, but, the, but you know the dissertation would just be self-expression. The Red Dead Redemption game, to, I both the Red Dead Redemption games are not just self-expression in terms of you as a gamer. They're actually you. It's that whole living in the past thing that you and I like about games as well as being historians. Yeah, yeah, and there's there is something very relaxing about just chilling out and going hunting for herbs and skins and stuff and just if I fancy doing the story I can go do the story but at the moment I'm on 95% of the story done and I'm like I'm gonna go finish all my little collective things and do the challenges because I don't want the story to end yet (laughs) so even though you can still do the open world stuff after you finish the storyline but I don't know just me so 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 then what are you what are you finding because obviously we 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 haven't done an episode on assassin's creed yet we have done tomb raider but yeah um assassin's creed is another one of my absolute favorite games i think i have played almost all the main well i've played all the mainline titles um i've just got like rogue and the little offshoots to play kind of thing um but it is another one of my faves so I think um, the so so just like Assassin's Creed, I think Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption is is a huge sense of being in the place and time. A lot of effort is gone to by the game designers and programmers and creators and so forth to put to to put you in a place and time um, that normally resides solely in history books, always the province of very, of, of films. Yeah. Um, do we think that? Do you think that Red Dead Redemption functions well for you? As you said, you get a chance to just live in the time period. Mm. Do you find it instructive to you as a historian? Yeah, well, one of the things that I've been thinking while going through the storyline is this is a lot of people's first interaction with this history and the time period, apart from, like, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it's actually exploring some issues. Like one of the things that they do is for one of the chapters, you're really involved with Native Americans and they really explore what the American government is doing to them, um, how they're trying to get them to fight back to so they can just claim that they're savages and get rid of them uh, when a lot of them are just trying to live peacefully um there's oil found under the reservation in this game and so it's that we don't want to move from the native americans but they're trying to force them to move on which is an absolute shame 
Uh, there are characters that um, there's a guy called Charles who is half Native American and um, half um, son of a slave. And I've seen people accuse him of being, oh, he's an absolute token. And it's like, no, these are kind of people did exist at the time and still exist now. And that's important to have there. Um, you have references to the Civil War. Like, there's one little area of the game map which is a old battle war, uh, battlefield. And cannons are still left and the trenches are still dug. And it reminds you how close that time period was to where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, people are still being hanged. Um, you can see some of the racism going on. I mean, the gang that you actually play with are quite, I would say, more modern in their views. But mm-hmm. they're all outlaws still. So they're like more accepting of other people. But when you go interact with the world, you can and say you're with Charles or you're with Lenny, who is another black person. You can see the way that people react to them. And it gives you kind of... The way I think about it is that what is the rock star stereotypical player? It is not a 32-year-old historian, wife, mother person. It is normally, I would picture kind of more the jock gamer or the serious gamer or the, that stereotype that we think of when you think gamer. And if it's bringing some actual history and some awareness to them, it's, that's only a good thing. So obviously there's gonna, there's some stuff in it that is not realistic, like the fact of the horse uh, can go for miles and miles and miles and miles. Yes, it still gets tired, which is mm. innovative, but it still goes for miles and miles and miles. And miles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a video game. It's still it's a... a video game. Yeah. It's like, and... it's, it's like them shooting in films and not reloading. Yes. And yeah. you still do have to reload in this and you can still carry way more than you should be able to. And, Although, uh, when I go hunting, it is a bit annoying that the big, big pelts, you can only do one. Mm-hmm. So it means that if you, say, get a good kill, then straight away you're heading back to the trapper to go sell that. When mm-hmm. i rather stay in the wild and do more hunting. Jack says I'm just like a complete menace to the wildlife in Red Dead. <laughs> well, so. I mean, this is where it gets interesting because um, a lot of Western films don't focus on how people survive. You know, they no. they 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 recognize that there's a farming system, there's agriculture, that there there's shops, there's importation, there's transportation, but that's it. Um you'll see especially in the older ones you'll see a character who's a trapper, but you'll not and occasionally there'll be storylines where they're out supposedly hunting and it's usually some sort of forest in a studio or something. But um yeah. but the point is it's not a big deal whereas when you get to the 90s um Kevin Costner, who has done more than just about anybody alive, Barclay Eastwood, to keep the Western alive, mm. uh, his second major foray into the Western, which is his wired up biopic, has a very interesting sequence, which is like a uh, it's like a dark inverse of Dances with Wolves. So in Dances with Wolves, you see 
the hunt from a Native American perspective with a white man attached observing. Yeah. So you see what it's like. You see the skill. You see the um, thrill. But you also see the utility. Yes. You see how they don't try to kill huge numbers. You see how they take everything that they need. They use it all. It's very, very educational for those who don't know much about the nation's cultures. Mm. Or the Plains nations, I should say, because they're the ones who do that. The uh, Wyatt Earp you see the white man hunters and there's a point where there's a huge pile of carcasses just sitting there and flies everywhere and you just see the wasteful nature of the way of their approach which leads to rotting unused pelts and flesh that's wasted and not eaten and all this sort of thing Um, and this is while they're sitting in the tent next door having whiskey you know so Mm. it's it's a and, and I thought that was a very clever way for him to contrast what has happened to the frontier between the first film and the second film. Yeah. Um, because there's no question but that if you follow through his films bit by bit, he is slowly telling the story, various stories that together show how things changed over time. Um, uh, so from that point of view, I think I think the Red Dead, including hunting, is important. I think making it clear to you that if you don't have a wagon you can't haul a bunch of herds, hides is actually quite yeah. important. That's quite clever. I think that's good. That That's all very... All of that stuff's interesting. So here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. You're not playing the missions, right? Well, I have played the missions now. I've got up to 95% and I'm, okay. I'm in the epilogue, basically. So if you... Would you... So you were saying that a lot of people are encountering these for the first the the, the American West as a historical period through the video game for the first time, mm. and that obviously that is significantly different from Hollywood approach. However, not having played the games, you're going to have to tell me: mm-hmm. Are the missions themselves more Hollywood? Most uh, missions will have some sort of shootout in them. Because it's an action game. That's what you, you're expecting. Okay. Um, but some missions are very quiet. Like, there is one that in Red Redemption 2, uh, which is what I'm going to be mostly drawing off, although I have played the first one and I've played that to completion. Okay. Um, the Charles, again, the native half a Native American, uh, takes you out hunting and you see... A load of bison carcasses just rotting. Oh, okay. You... So they've they've borrowed that scene from White Earp then. Yeah, and you follow them, and you find the hunters that have been wasting them. Mm, mm. And you can tell he's visibly angry because he teaches Arthur hunting in a way that is sustainable. And mm. although you can go decimate the uh, wildlife. Mm. If you kill too many animals with and don't take their pelts and don't take their feathers or anything like that, you will get nev- negative karma because there's like a karma system. Okay. And the more negative karma you get, you go more into the negative and then more positive you go into the positive. And being in positive karma actually gives you perks like the fact of the shops will give you 50% off. Oh, um, wow. Which is... A good thing to do so obviously you're trying to be better mm-hmm. so and um so that at times where i've gone oh there's a flock of birds i've gone shoot 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 
I've then got negative karma because I haven't gone and got those pouch yet because I've just shot a ton in one go. Right. So, if that makes sense. And... Okay, so they've, they've tried to find a video game mechanism to... Uh... Put to not push to 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 suggest morality. Yeah, and it's okay. also the same in Assassin's Creed Three, which is, I would say, the nearest game to deal with this era because it that actually deals with civil war, um, and the main character of that is a native. Well, he's half Native American, and again, he hunts. But if you hunt too much and don't take the pelts, you will actually uh desynchronize and you'll get a game over so okay it's it's showing you the way of hunting and being resourceful which is the kind of hunting i agree with i don't agree Mm. with going hunting just to go hunting yeah sure even though i'm kind of doing that in the video game but so we're coming back to the point of what we do here at the podcast thinking about it the Mm. would do you see these as Given what we normally say about films, do you think that you... What would you award Red Dead Redemption 2 on a real history percentage? I would go about 50 because of the fact Wow, okay. um, It's because of the fact of you can... Actually, I don't know. I was just thinking of the amount of time that I actually spent with the history, but then again... Actually, I'm going to go more up to 75 Because you're so immersed in that world. Because Mm. I was thinking of the actual correlation with missions and history. Yeah. But you have, if, uh, which has happened to me a few times, if your horse dies because you stupidly ran off a cliff um, or you went into a tree too hard, um, not that I've done this too many times as well. um, Jenna Pro Gamer, yeah. Um, The. You're stuck in the desert, right. and you're like, "What do I do now?" Right. Because I'm away from civilization. It is a long, long walk back to civilization. Mm. Um, sometimes you retort to just walking. Sometimes you have to go find someone to kill and get their horse. Right. Sometimes you have to go find wild horses, which trying to capture a wild horse without um, your own horse is much more difficult. And it really shows you those struggles of, without your horse, you're screwed. And you do need to eat and sleep, although if you don't... Eating is more important than sleep, because you can go for days without sleep, which obviously isn't realistic, although I've done it. Um, It's... But you need to constantly be eating like baked beans and stuff to keep your core, your health, uh, your stamina, and your dead eye cores up. So then your stuff will regenerate all the time. And if those go, that you die basically. So mm. it's it is showing you how hard the survival was in a gamified way. Mm-hmm. Um, because these times were hard. And it does depict the hard times as well. And it shows people dying of illness. It shows people dying of um, simple cuts. Simple uh, shots that we would have survived today. Um, it shows... It sort of shows recovery from gunshots as well. 
Yeah. Although it is more a case of your character gets shot and then gets back to the camp and then um, it kind of fades into a few weeks later. But that actually shows that there is a recovery time from this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at that point of time, that means your character is pretty much useless to the camp. Mm-hmm. And there is also discussions about the fact that there's women in the camp. And uh, there is like one or two bigoted characters in the camp who are moaning about the fact of why do we even have women here because they're not willing to sleep with me? Why are we will- having them here? Mm-hmm. And it, it's people like Arthur who are like, well, they do a lot of the work around the camp while we go off and hunt and we go, we bring in the resources. The other thing is that you are resource hunting for the camp as well. Like you're having to bring in money so then you can upgrade the stuff and um, keep the guns supplies up and keep food supplies and medicine. And those will de- um, go down. And so you have to pay to reinstall them and you can bring carcasses and you can bring pouts and you can bring meat to help feed the camp and so all of that is that kind of interacting with history so where I said 50% I would put it more at 75 because thinking of it more like that makes you realise how much history is in there Um, but you still have a lot of the Hollywood aspects because it's a rock star game you're you want to go do some shooting of people and um, go rob trains and yeah, staging um, coaches. Grand Theft Auto and history. Yes, pretty mm, much. Mm, I mean, um, Grand Theft Auto is, by the looks of things, is in the same universe, chronically. Yeah, I can um, believe that. Because in, in Grand Theft Auto 5, you can find a book written by the first protagonist john marston's um from the first game his son has written a book about his life called red dead mm-hmm. and it's a little easter egg but people have asked rockstar is that real kind of thing and they have basically confirmed yeah so it means that his kid has gone on to write his story which is really interesting and getting to see those little details in something like grand theft auto 5 which is this massive spawning game which doesn't deal with a lot of history. It maybe it touches on a couple of little things, but it's more to do with uh, the commercialization of America and how different areas are treated. It's nice to see a little connection back to that past. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like uh, Rockstar games. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I, 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 I have, I, I love them myself. Um, I so so. Let me talk to you about a slightly different way I think some people are going to come across the West these days. Mm-hmm. So I watched A Million Ways to Die in the West last night. Yes. Which is from 2014 and is a an out-and-out comedy film from Seth MacFarlane, quite a who is an occasionally controversial comedian mm-hmm. from America, uh, from the United States, who is uh, best known for being the man behind I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Family Guy and American Dad. Yeah, and as um... The Cleveland Show. Right. And he's also uh, currently doing sci-fi show The Orville. Yeah. And Fox, he also does a couple of bits of voice acting here and there. Like um, oh, yes. in Sing, he pl- he did a Rat Pack character because he sings a lot of Rat Pack himself. So. Yeah. 
So he's a, he's a, you know multi hyphenate talented guy. Sense of humor does tend to be something that people go hot and cold on depending on whether yeah. it works for them. I I quite enjoy chunks of Family Guy and American Dad, but I'm not a rabid must see it every week kind of guy. The trailers for A Million Ways to Die in the West sell it quite well. If you like the trailer, you like the film. Okay. If you don't like the trailer, you won't like the film. It really is that simple. The thing I enjoyed about it is it's it 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 actually is a, an act on the on the level of being a western visually, or and I mean a movie western, not a histo- not a historically accurate per se western, but mm. it does all the things you expect a movie western to do and have. So uh, it has shootouts, it has barroom brawls, it has a bar as well, a whorehouse. It has farmers trying struggling. It has a bad guy outlaw with you know who dresses all in black, played very well by Liam Neeson. Because um, and we, and he's going full Irish on it as well. It's really oh, good. awesome. Yeah, it is, and um, it's because yeah, he these days he's far too often asked not to use his 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 own accent a hundred percent. It's always a bit Americanized. But That's here a waste. Gets, I know, right? Uh, he he's great in it as well. He's having fun with it. Um, but the, but uh, where you know the the so I was thinking to myself, what's this going to be like and. McFarlane doesn't basically he takes the Seth McFarlane persona right and drops it into the west so what you're think what you're imagining so this is like early Woody Allen films or it's like a bit blazing saddles ish you know yeah. it's that thing where you take a very specific style of humor and you apply it to a venerable American genre mm. but the fun bit for you and I and for people who listen to real history here is that he knows that we know a lot more about that period of American history. So the 19th century, mostly post-Civil War, um, but we know a lot more about it now than we did when certain films were made. Yeah. So listening to his character is often like you and me doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's going, this is a terrible time to be alive. What makes you think the American West is so great everything's trying to kill us when i walk to the toilet i've got every chance of dying before i come back <laughs> you know? um, and just just that speech alone makes me feel like a history teacher all over again yes. <laughs> like this is not a great time to be alive your chances for survival are slim if you don't if you live out there particularly he, he as at one point he's like oh, i'm going to go back um is it san francisco i can't remember he's like i'm going to go back to the city yeah. He's clearly a city guy. He's a city slicker mm-hmm. trying to be a farmer. And so there is a classic... The American Western always uh, has, has often dealt with masculinity. Yes. And masculine ideals. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of that has le- leaked out of the Western genre into other genres. Yeah, You know, you can draw lines very easily between the Western, the gangster film, because historically there's a link there as well. Yes, there um, is. War films and uh, action movies and superhero films mm. and uh, I think that the and McFarlane is a lot of his humor is about undercutting that a lot of his cartoons are about undercutting masculinity undercutting the patriarchy uh, making fun of American exceptionalism yeah. you know, the, the the very values that the westerns are, westerns are often in favour of or promoting his other things he normally tears apart in his TV shows. Mm. 
And here he's trying. He makes a film that actually balances quite cleverly why the western as a as a genre as a fictional format has come to work to promote those values, and then making it a vehicle for his values. Yeah. So his character is the nerdy guy who just trying to be a decent fella in a place where what is decent is actually not always seen as it's quite a he treats the people who are living in the West as jocks and he's yeah. the nerd. That's the yeah. way he kind of designs this. Um, you know, they will want to settle things by drinking or shooting or hitting each other. He wants to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and this happens from the very start of the film. The opening gunfight, he's like, he's late for it, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a sheep farmer and he's got sheep trouble. <laughs> And then he's like, like in Wales. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> Oh, there's so many good jokes at the expense of the sheep. <laughs> he, when he comes back from so he he he, you know, he he doesn't want to do the gunfight, he basically tries to talk the whole of the gunfight is him trying to talk the other guy into not shooting him. <laughs> Which is really good fun. But then when he goes back to the um his farm <laughs> there's a point in the film where he's traveling back from the town to the farm and he gets there and there's just sheep everywhere he's a terrible farmer they're just milling about and you and, and he looks around and he's like uh and then you cut to the roof of his farmhouse and there's a sheep just up there on the roof <laughs> it's just on the roof there. <laughs> like no explanation how it got there and he's like oh no not again <laughs> not again <laughs> It's that kind of film, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it it's, it's, and, and, and he has most people speak as if they're from the period, and then he has other people speak in the modern fashion, like himself. Yeah. And it, it, he uses that as a. I think it's cleverly done. Most people, some people might find find it jarring. I think it's actually quite clever because it means that if you are seeing this as a younger modern person now, you will relate more to those characters, which is what he wants yeah. you to do. He wants you to feel like certain characters are evolving beyond the other people mm. he wants you to feel like the people we are now are just around the corner and that if you stick them in the old west this is what happens to them yeah i mean one thing quickly going back to the fact that he's kind of a modern man put into that experience how many times as a historian are you personally asked Oh, which time period would you like to live in? Oh, I know. I hate that. Do you know, know. I've, actually, I've actually been asked that in job interviews for teaching history. Uh, and I'm like, that's not relevant. I mean, they tend to they tend to rephrase it and say, what's your favourite period of history? Yeah. And it's always they always expect you to go with something that's like straightforward. That's one of the periods you teach. And I'm like, no, that's not the stuff that I would do when I'm on my personal time. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that one of my personal favourite bits of history is what I've been writing about for the uh, Bugzilla blog which yeah. is the Holocaust Oh, no. oh having to say oh, oh what's your favourite period yeah not your favourite period it can't, it, I know what you mean in terms of yeah. a, a period of study it's in a fruitful and uh, involving time to study yes it's not enjoyable no, um, you know what I mean. So. No, no, I do, yeah. I do. Um, and I think that's the thing. I, I, 
I needed a laugh this week, and this was the right comedy to pick. But I enjoyed the history side of it immensely. Yeah. The fact that when his 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 wife his fiance is dumping him at the beginning, she's like, "People are living, women are living to thirty five these days. I don't want to, you know, I want to have some time and enjoy myself." <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's another point later on where one of the other female characters are like, okay, so, you know, I've been his wife since I was nine. And he's like, nine? And she's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And he's like, wait, you've been married for... The... And they're just trying to get around that thing that we know is still legal in some American states yes. where 10-year-olds can be married as long as their parents are there. Yeah. You know, but they have, they throw those sorts of things in. There's a point where they make a... <laughs> There's a point where... <laughs> I shouldn't say this. They make a they make what sounds like an awful joke about Native Americans, where they say, uh, "Yeah, yeah when he, oh, that's it." So, so visitor Charlie's Theron plays a character. This is not a spoiler because you see when you first meet her, you, she's the wife of the outlaw. Okay. But then she goes to the town, and she's accompanied by one of the outlaw gang because he's off doing outlaw stuff, and he wants her out the way. And she meets Seth MacFarlane's character, and mm. they become friends, and. So, you, and but she's not telling him who she is. Yeah. Okay. So he, so she, he doesn't know she's an outlaw. He just knows but, she's but new in town. But the audience knows. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, dramatic irony. And um, and so he's explaining to her just how dangerous it is, it is on the frontier. So they go to the fair. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, every year people die at the fair. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because it's really horrible. <laughs> But what happens is, you know, so they're in the queue to get their photograph taken. Yeah. And there's a running gag throughout the film about the fact that nobody smiles in photographs because yeah. why would you? You're a lunatic. Why would you smile? That's so stupid. <laughs> Which for modern people, you're going, I don't get it. And then they, they actually explain it at the end. The ultimate punchline to the joke is yeah. when they hear is, is they explain the fact that you because you have to stand still for so long to get the photo taken, why would you try and hold a smile that long? Yes. Which is brilliant. Totally, you, you, that, There's a historical detail. Do you know what I mean? Just a lovely detail. So anyway, they're queuing for the photograph, for, 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 to get their photograph taken at the fair. And, and the photographer screws up with the flash and the flash blows up and sets him on fire. Oh, no. <laughs> but, then it, but it also sets the people of the family he's trying to photograph. Oh. <laughs> so they all start burning. <laughs> no, I shouldn't laugh. But then, <laughs> sorry, this is the punchline. Two random guys go, "Oh my god, look at those!" and pull rifles and start shooting the ones on fire <laughs> because they're scared. <laughs> so they all die. <laughs> And everyone else just walks away from the. They all run away screaming, you know. And Charlie's Theron and, 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 and McFarlane are just standing there going, Oh my god, that's horrible! Like modern people. And McFarlane's like, Something like this happens every year. And she's like, What do you mean every year? He's like, Every year people get killed at the fair. This is what I mean. You can just die in so many ways. In the <laughs> you know, and, and when they leave the fair, some random guy gets skewered by. Uh, <coughs> bull and the bull just goes running off through the fair with this guy's body on a stuck on him. 
just random <laughs> stuff like that just keeps happening throughout the film, you know? And you just sort of think, you laugh, but at the same time, I'm sort of feeling, sitting here as a historian going, we know these things actually happen because we have records of them. Yes. You that, know. I will say that is actually one of my favourite things about being a historian, is finding out the ridiculous, stupid yes! stuff history. Yeah, exactly. The other, the, one of the jokes that's in the trailer that is even better in the film is when he's says so his part, his his, his fiance leaves him. She starts going out with the man who runs the mustachery, who's played by Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, amazing! He's so good. He's so good. His mustache is amazing. And um, the, the uh, he's like, there's a point where the, the, they also make a very good historical point where Giov- Giovanni Ribisi plays McFarlane's best friend, mm. and Su- Susan Silverman is is his girlfriend, although she's also works in the whorehouse. <laughs> That's it a whole other a thing. That's a whole other thing. I'm yeah. not even going to spoil that sense of that run of jokes for you. Um, and, and he, and he's, and uh, McFarlane's like, oh yeah, she's gone for a guy with a mustache. And Ravisi's like, yeah, you know, have you thought about getting one? And he's like, I can't afford it. It's so expensive. He says all those oils and waxes and <laughs> cleaning materials. And I was just like, wow, someone's actually talking about something we know is is true of that period, which is all those beautiful mustaches in movies like Tombstone and Wired Up. You've got to work on them. They spent money on those. Yes. You know, you don't just, you can't, I mean, at one point he goes, he decides to go and challenge this the the fact that this guy's going out with his ex just because and he walks into the shop and he says i'm thinking of getting a mustache and the guy starts basically going to they're going to make fun of him and he's basically looking at him saying what kind of mustache do you want and he describes the mustache and the guy's like oh yes that's a mobius <laughs> <laughs> he says it's a very expensive mustache are you sure you can afford it you're just a farmer after all you know that kind of attitude and i thought i can imagine that that sort of attitude that you get when you go into posh shops now yeah. You can just imagine that that might have been the attitude when it came to certain products, ideas. I mean, it's the same thing when Charlize Theron later on tries to buy a dress and she realises she's completely overdressed for the ball they're going to. And she's like, well, the local dressmaker tried to sell it to me and this is all I, you know, I didn't know what else to get. And it's one of those ones with a bustle. Oh, right, yeah. And she's explaining what a bustle is and how it works. And, and, and of course, there's that big... You know the thing underneath the, the 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 cage underneath, yes, to hold all the the layers of dress. Yeah, the the metal petticoat. Exactly, it's metal. <laughs> and she's like, "Can you believe it?" She says, "It's a metal cage." She says, "You're not getting in there." <laughs> you know, but like you can, she like literally clangs it on the floor <laughs> just so you realise. But again, that's really important from a historical point of view. If you're talking to the modern audience. You know, mm. you're making a really good. Po- she's, the, the 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 thing is set up as a joke in order to instruct you on something that's historically accurate. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really clever, and I enjoyed it all the way through. Um, the joke at the expense of the Native Americans happens when they're at the fair, and the pair of them are like, "Yeah, last time, one time, somebody got shot at the fair. Another time, Indians attacked." She says, "Indians are always attacking." She says, "I don't see what the problem is." She says, "It's like we're sharing this land with them fifty-fifty." And he's like, "Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it?" And you think, "Oh my God, you can't say that." And then later on, he gets he gets captured by the local nation, and yeah. you think, "How's this going to go?" And then it all becomes explained, and it's quite funny. And it has the great Wes Studi is the chieftain. And he's amazing, and they let him do. He never. He doesn't have to use English throughout. He, they, they just. They just let him speak, and they subtitle everything. You oh, know, 
Yeah. I know, I know, and it's all done, and it's all done at the sense of humor. Like he's like they're talking, he's talking about white men as assholes, you know. <laughs> well, quite, um, quite often I see a, a gift from Pocahontas t- turn up, uh, where it's like, and white women, uh, white men have come and destroying everything, kind of thing. It's like world history summed up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and 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 there's kind of and and I think that's kind of one of the interesting moment things within a million ways to die in the West is there's a sense the discussion that where Studi and and Seth MacFarlane have kind of suggests that maybe if it hadn't been a certain kind of person to turn up, things might have been different. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I don't think he's not whitewashing it. He's not rewriting history. He's just making a point that the people who turned up had a set of beliefs and that conflicted, that caused what happened. And that yeah. maybe, again, he's not saying we modern people are more enlightened. He's just saying we, we, we're more aware now. Yeah, I mean, Be- so many of the Native American deaths happened because we introduced disease yes. that they were not used to. Yes. And that is partly our fault and partly not our fault. Uh, when I say us, I'm talking as a yes. white woman. But we are still on the hook for the genocide that we committed against yeah. them. And <clears throat> the, exactly. And this film doesn't let you off the stuff hook. Stuff like where we actually militarised disease against them, like small bro- blank, uh, smallpox blankets yes. and stuff like that, where we yeah. were like, we know they don't have inoculations against us. Mm. Here you go. And, no, I, I yeah. agree. I think you're right. Now, I, I'm not sure Red Dead Redemption 2... Does Red Dead Redemption recognise that in any way, at any point? Not really, because the time period it is dealing with, uh, the disease deaths all happen because it's dealing with the end of the West. But what I mean is, is oh. there any sense of, when in, in its interactions with with nation cultures, do you get the feeling that there is a recognition of the disastrous way things went? Yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Because I, yeah. Because you can see that the U.S. military are basically bullying them, and yeah. trying. Well, they're just wanting to live their lives in their way, and they're out from society, but they're still interacting with it. Mm. They, um, the chief of the Indian Native Americans, uh, says about the fact of he has signed three peace treaties, and every single one has been broken by the U.S. government he's not done anything wrong on his behalf. Right. He keeps on signing for that hope that one day one of these will stick. <clears throat> gotcha. And he can understand why his son um, is a lot more hot-blooded and wants to go fight because he he can see it as just... It is a lose-lose situation because mm. what can you do? And Yes. Because the... As people kept moving further west, the the land that they were given was getting worse and worse um, because obviously white settlers would take the best land for themselves and then go, oh, you can have this rocky bit over here that we don't want. Yeah. When people like uh, the Plains <clears throat> Nations mm. were roamers, they roamed, they followed nomads. the bison, they, uh, yeah, nomads. They had camps that they could quickly put up and put down and well, the move. Plains nations did, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. As opposed to the city-dwelling pueblo yeah, nations, yeah, there were or the, 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 the city, the, that's the, the thing. 
People forget that Native American people had cities. Well, and that annoyed oh. the Pueblo ones. Yes, I mean this yeah. is the thing. There's there's three distinct groups culturally. Yeah, that... that's one problem about lumping them all in together. Yeah, even I mean there's multiple even separating them into three. Well, is, 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 is all, yeah, that's just based on cultural. The, yeah. either the, so that's nomads versus settled versus um, Pueblo in the south, which are the yeah. city dwellers. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. I mean, the, that, <clears throat> I'm just thinking of when I work with it with year eight mm. or year seven. Do I do it with? I think it's year seven. Year seven? I can't remember. But at that age level, you you, you start with the basics, and then you drill down yeah. into it a little bit further. Um, so here's the thing. So I think if if you're coming to uh, see, somebody who has watched Westerns as long as I have, and it's still not as much as some people 10 years older than me have watched, you know, you, yeah. you raised on Westerns, you, 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 you have your, there are things I love about them and things I, I, I find very difficult and wrestle with to this day. To me, <coughs> they tend to be the films that my granddad watched. Precisely. So and... I would see clips of them if I went to see my, visit my grandparents. That's right. That's the old style westerns. That's my interaction with them. Now we and now we've been through twenty, thirty years of of not just revisionism but post revisionism, mm. and <clears throat> we've worked through various variations of it. Um, I feel like we're at an interesting stage because we're seeing films and games and t- and TV and books that reflect different aspects of the way the genre is treated and examine it at different levels of historical detail. Mm. Um, but mm. for me, I think it was incredibly entertaining to see something that understood the meta level of humor and to say, look, yeah. you're, I'm going to give you something that you as a young modern person can understand, but I'm not going to shy away from the reality of the time. Mm. You know, um, like the in the old in a lot of so if we there's different eras of filmmaking in Hollywood when it comes to Western but if we go back to old, much older films the idea of the the fights in the bar whenever they happen are always seen as fun and yeah. entertaining they you know their action sequences they're well designed they're stylish but they're like oh look men doing men things they want fun they're gonna smack each other right yeah in this that's film what many men do they smack each other to uh, because they're drunk. Right, so when this happens in, in A Million Dark Ways to Die in the West, when the bar fight kicks off, it's genuinely deadly, first of all, which yes. is a shock, even though it's also done to... The, the score, by the way, is brilliant. The music is brilliant. And the whole thing plays and... Is, he films it and plays it as if it's one of the fun ones, except people actually get hurt. Mm. He and his mates say, quick, quick, get in position. And they've got this little thing where they stand to the side, safely out the way, and pretend to be hitting each other, even though they're not. But no one's... <laughs> So that no one attacks them. Yeah. Which is brilliant. But then you look over and you see Charlize Theron, who was trying to have a drink, and she gets up, picks up the bottle of glass, and just walks into the middle where no one's standing and just stands there. And she's got this look on this face which basically says, men. Yes. <laughs> like, really, you know. And I just, that was so, I thought that was a really clever way of commenting on that particular feature of the older films as if to say because because i used to, i've always enjoyed watching a barroom brawl but mm. in reality there is no way i'd want to be in one no and that it, bar and balls do happen in red dead as well yes so, i imagine they do they that. so, that's my point it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a, st- a trope. It's, 
Yes, exactly. Um, and so I think it's clever to see something that has fun with it, does something different. It, 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 Blazing Saddles is still the arguably the greatest comedy western ever made. I need to watch it. That's fine. We'll have to do it at some point. Because Bla- <laughs> the one thing Blazing Saddles tackles that A Million Ways to Die in the West only tackles briefly is race. Yeah. A Million Ways to Die in the West is very family guy, American dad, when it comes to race, religion... You know, there, there's a point where there is like where it's like um, where they're they're beha- well, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it to people to watch it. There's still bits that will shock. Let's put yeah. it that way. Uh, even in the modern context, and McFarlane's making again making a very point, a good point that the people characters you think you know and love still have very unreasonable views by modern standards. Yeah. Um, you know, anti-Semitic. You know. Yes. Uh, Pro- Protestant extremely horrifically protestant you know um and he also tackles the masculinity thing you know mm. you understand why he turned out the way he did and it's very very clear and it's any most most people who've been bullied or attacked will under, will completely and retreated to books will totally understand his character yeah and it also makes you think about what hasn't changed and i think that's very clever as well mm. um, um if we had time which because i know we're gonna have to soon start wrapping up Yes. I think the other way that a lot of younger people interact with Western um, history, mm. as in the West, mm. is actually theme parks. Because yes. So many theme parks have a Western area. I mean, yes. That was made popular by Disney. Haha, <laughs> yes. look, my specialist subject coming in. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have places like uh port ventura which is in spain has its own giant western uh section you have you know uh, why that is because it's copying disneyland because it's what sorry copying disneyland no not just that spain (laughs) is where they filmed the majority of the spaghetti westerns of course yes almeria was where they filmed most of the spaghetti westerns it's it's the second home of the west as a as a movie yeah vision sorry anyway carry on and so I think that's how a lot of other people... The West is very theme-parked, uh, Disney-fictioned uh, yes. to a lot yeah. of people. Yes. And it is then put down into that stereotype of cowboys and Indians. And um, you... It's... You go see the Little Can-Can show and uh, you can have your picture taken... As a hanged person, which yeah. I've done a few times, and now I'll look back and go, really? <laughs> and you have these great. You, you always have the log flume, and you have something to do with gold digging, and you have the wooden roller coaster. And um, in Disney, you have what they do is they have a lot of uh, horse prints in the concrete, and they also have painted a load of the um, floor brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, to connotate where the poop would be with while keeping it saturated, um, yeah, family safe and that sort of thing. And um, that is that is one thing I should say about this film is that there is an immense amount of fart jokes and toilet humour, <laughs> an immense amount. And I'm sorry, at 48, I still find that funny. Some of it, I it's did, a, you know, uh, I did see recently someone saying, um, if you don't find farts funny, you're gonna have to live with as many farts. Oh, uh, I, yes, in... that meme that says, "Yeah, your, 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 what is it? Your, your, 
you're living with the same amount of fart but less fun or something less like that. Less joy. Less stuff. joy, that's it, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and I think that's where, I think The Million Ways to Die in the West is a real antidote to the Disneyfied approach. Yeah. Um, and I suspect Red Dead as well is also a decent antidote to the Disneyfied approach. Yeah, there um, is a little bit of Disneyfication, but that's what you expect still. And that's yeah. when we're discussing every single film and every single way we intap- interact with history mm. uh, through media and pop culture, It there is going to be that dis- Disneyfication and... It's a shame that it's Disney that we have to is connotated with that word, but every single enterprise does it. So, yeah. but Disney is obviously the ones who popularized it. Yeah. And although I'm a huge fan of Disney, I can completely see their problems, and I want to discuss their problems. I don't want to hide behind. And Disneyfication is part of it. I mean, they were going to make a theme park which was just based on entirely different periods of American history and they have a lot about nostalgia of different periods for um, America. That's what they do. And of course that's paid off to uh, the Western films we've got now. Like uh, they brought out The Lone Ranger which um, I didn't get to see but there was a lot of uh, backlash against it because of a non-Native American person playing a Native American because it was Johnny Depp. And... Except, it, it's except he is part Native American. He's and they also had... And they also 60... had a Native American... Yeah, they, but they had a Native American association involved with the whole process. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying... Which I find fascinating. I no, no, I know. I just, I just find it really interesting that the film went out of its way to involve nations, people, yeah. in the making of it. And then everyone online was like, meh. And I still had massive backlash. Yeah. I've seen it, by the way. It's fantastic. Okay. It's far, far better. The problem is everyone was expecting a Disney film. Oh, okay. And it's not. It's a properly revisionist Western. It's grim in places. It's funny in others. It's very funny. But it's also spectacular. And it's also very clever at undercutting the original myth. Yeah. I you think know, people are also getting a bit fed up because... I think they're associating it with Pirates of the Caribbean as well. Oh, it's very, very much in the mould of Pirates. Which, if you like Pirates 1, you'll like Lone Ranger, is my I view. think we, uh, we do need to discuss Pirates at some point, because... Oh, um, we need to do an entire episode of Pirates. Right, yes. let's... <laughs> on which note, let's wrap this up. So I'm going to give a million... What did you give Red Dead again? 75. I will give a million ways to die in the West the same. Oh, okay. Excellent. Although I, I might be tempted to push it up to 80%, but I think that might be pushing it from anybody's point of view. Uh, Jenna, people can find you online at the usual places. Yeah, at Nadesco Kitty uh, on Twitter. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be having an article going up on Bunkerzilla. By the time this is released, it will be up um, on Holocaust Denial, which I have worked very, very hard on. So if you would like to have a look at it, please do. And from the published date for two weeks, anything that goes to my Kofi, I will be donating to the Holocaust uh, Educational Trust to help support um, the education of the Holocaust because it is so important. 
fantastic. Thank you. We, we will be doing a future episode on that as well. Yes. Um, people can find me at 48 Consultancy on all social channels, mostly. Um, or if you want to talk to me directly at Hugh K. David, or if you want to talk about the podcast at 48 Publishing. Uh, so, yes. So, there we go. Um, oh, this I should been... also mention that I was on The Big Stomp as well, uh, yes. which is a monthly podcast where we... Uh, Three of the Bunkerzilla um, hosts will come on and discuss different top ch- topics. Um, I brought um, LGBT representation in Disney movies like uh, Finn and Poe from Star Wars. Um, and we had a very good 20-minute discussion on that. And so I would highly recommend tuning in. And also it might introduce you to a couple of the other podcast hosts and you might find other podcasts you really want to listen to. Because Bunkerzilla has some amazing, amazing programming. So, right, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, thank you, folks. We'll see you next episode. Bye bye. Bye now. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs>